Chapter four of the Quintessence of Ibsenism by George Bernard Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter four The Autobiographical Anti Idealist Extravaganzas, Part one. The Plays, Brand, eighteen sixty six. We are now prepared to learn without misgiving that a typical ibsen play is one in which the leading lady is an unwomanly woman and the villain an idealist it follows that the leading lady is not a heroine of the drury lane type nor does the villain forge or assassinate since he is a villain by virtue of his determination to do nothing wrong therefore readers of ibsen not playgoers have sometimes so far misconceived him as to suppose that his villains are examples rather than warnings and that the mischief and ruin which attend their actions are but the tribulations from which the soul comes out purified as gold from the furnace in fact the beginning of ibsen's european reputation was the edification with which the pious received his great dramatic poem brand brand is not his first play indeed it is his seventh and of its six forerunners all are notable and some splendid but it is in brand that he definitely if not yet quite consciously takes the field against idealism and like another luther nails his thesis to the door of the temple of morality with brand therefore we must begin lest we should be swept into an eddy of mere literary criticism a matter altogether beside the purpose of this book which is to distill the quintessence of ibsen's message to his age brand the priest is an idealist of heroic earnestness strength and courage conventional comfortable sentimental church-going withers into selfish snobbery and cowardly weakness before his terrible word your god he cries is an old man mine is young and all europe hearing him suddenly realizes that it has so far forgotten god as to worship an image of an elderly gentleman with a well-trimmed beard an imposing forehead and the expression of a headmaster brand turning from such idolatrous follies with fierce scorn declares himself the champion not of things as they are nor of things as they can be made but of things as they ought to be things as they ought to be mean for him things as ordered by men conform to his ideal of the perfect adam who again is not man as he is or can be but man conformed to all the ideals man as it is his duty to be in insisting on this conformity brand spares neither himself nor any one else life is nothing self is nothing the perfect adam is everything the imperfect adam does not fall in with these views a peasant whom he urges to cross a glacier in a fog because it is his duty to visit his dying daughter not only flatly declines but endeavours forcibly to prevent brand from risking his own life brand knocks him down and sermonizes him with fierce earnestness and scorn presently brand has to cross a fjord in a storm to reach a dying man who having committed a series of murders wants consolation from a priest brand cannot go alone someone must hold the rudder of his boat whilst he manages the sail the fisher-folk in whom the old adam is strong do not adopt his estimate of the gravity of the situation and refuse to go 
a woman fascinated by his heroism and idealism goes that ends in their marriage and in the birth of a child to which they become deeply attached then brand aspiring from height to height of devotion to his ideal plunges from depth to depth of murderous cruelty first the child must die from the severity of the climate because brand must not flinch from the post of duty and leave his congregation exposed to the peril of getting an inferior preacher in his place then he forces his wife to give the clothes of the dead child to a gypsy whose baby needs them the bereaved mother does not grudge the gift but she wants to hold back only one little garment as a relic of her darling but brand sees in this reservation the imperfection of the imperfect eve he forces her to regard the situation as a choice between the relic and his ideal she sacrifices the relic to the ideal and then dies broken-hearted having killed her and thereby placed himself beyond ever daring to doubt the idealism upon whose altar he has immolated her having also refused to go to his mother's deathbed because she compromises with his principles in disposing of her property he is hailed by the people as a saint and finds his newly built church too small for his congregation so he calls upon them to follow him to worship god in his own temple the mountains after a brief practical experience of this arrangement they change their minds and stone him the very mountains themselves stone him indeed for he is killed by an avalanche per gint brand dies a saint having caused more intense suffering by his saintliness than the most talented sinner could possibly have done with twice his opportunities ibsen does not leave this to be inferred in another dramatic poem he gives us a rapscallion named per gint an idealist who avoids brand's errors by setting up as his ideal the realization of himself through the utter satisfaction of his own will in this he would seem to be on the path to which ibsen himself points and indeed all who know the two plays will agree that whether or no it was better to be per gint than brand it was beyond all question better to be the mother or the sweetheart of pear scapegrace and liar as he was than mother or wife to the saintly brand brand would force his ideal on all men and women pear gint keeps his ideal for himself alone it is indeed implicit in the ideal itself that it should be unique that he alone should have the force to realize it for pear's first boyish notion of the self-realized man is not the saint but the demigod whose indomitable will is stronger than destiny the fighter the master the man whom no woman can resist the mighty hunter the knight of a thousand adventures the model in short of the lover in a lady's novel or the hero in a boy's romance now no such person exists or ever did exist or ever can exist the man who cultivates an indomitable will and refuses to make way for anything or anybody soon finds that he cannot hold a street crossing against a tram-car much less a world against the whole human race only by plunging into illusions to which every fact gives the lie can he persuade himself that his will is a force that can overcome all other forces or that it is less conditioned by circumstances than a wheelbarrow is however per gint being imaginative enough to conceive his ideal is also imaginative enough to find illusions to hide its unreality 
and to persuade himself that per gint the shabby countryside loafer is per gint emperor of himself as he writes over the door of his hut in the mountains his hunting feats are invented his military genius has no solider foundation than a street fight with a smith and his reputation as an adventurous daredevil he has to gain by the bravado of carrying off the bride from a wedding at which the guests snub him only in the mountains can he enjoy his illusions undisturbed by ridicule yet even in the mountains he finds obstacles he cannot force his way through obstacles which withstand him as spirits with voices telling him that he must go round but he will not he will go forward he will cut his path sword in hand in spite of fate all the same he has to go round for the world will is outside per gint as well as inside him then he tries the supernatural only to find that it means nothing more than the transmogrifying of squalid realities by lies and pretenses still like our amateurs of thaumaturgy he is willing to enter into a conspiracy of make-believe up to a certain point when the trolled king's daughter appears as a repulsive ragged creature riding on a pig he is ready to accept her as a beautiful princess on a noble steed on condition that she accepts his mother's tumble-down farmhouse with the broken window-panes stopped up with old clouts as a splendid castle he will go with her among the trolls and pretend that the gruesome ravine in which they hold their orgies is a glorious palace he will partake of their filthy food and declare it nectar and ambrosia he will applaud their obscene antics as exquisite dancing and their discordant din as divine music but when they finally propose to slit his eyes so that he may see and hear these things not as they are but as he has been pretending to see and hear them he draws back resolved to be himself even in self-deception he leaves the mountains and becomes a prosperous man of business in america highly respectable and ready for any profitable speculation slave trade bible trade whiskey trade missionary trade anything his commercial success in this phase persuades him that he is under the special care of god but he is shaken in his opinion by an adventure in which he is marooned on the african coast and does not recover his faith until the treacherous friends who marooned him are destroyed before his eyes by the blowing up of the steam-yacht they have just stolen from him when he utters his celebrated exclamation ah god is a father to me after all but economical he certainly is not he finds a white horse in the desert and is accepted on its account as the messiah by an arab tribe a success which moves him to declare that now at last he is really worshipped for himself whereas in america people only respected his breastpin the symbol of his money in commerce too he reflects his eminence was a mere matter of chance whilst as a prophet he is eminent by pure natural fitness for the post this is ended by his falling in love with a dancing girl who after leading him into every sort of undignified and ludicrous extravagance ranging from his hailing her as the eternal feminine of goethe to the more practical folly of giving her his white horse and all his prophetic finery runs away with the spoil and leaves him once more helpless and alone in the desert he wanders until he comes to the great sphinx beside which he finds a german gentleman in great perplexity as to who the sphinx is 
Per Gint, seeing in that impassive, immovable, majestic figure a symbol of his own ideal, is able to tell the German gentleman at once that the Sphinx is itself. This explanation dazzles the German, who, after some further discussion of the philosophy of self-realization, invites Per Gint to accompany him to a club of learned men in Cairo, who are ripe for enlightenment on this very question pair delighted accompanies the german to the club which turns out to be a madhouse in which the lunatics have broken loose and locked up their keepers it is in this madhouse and by these madmen that pair gint is at last crowned emperor of himself he receives their homage as he lies in the dust fainting with terror as an old man pair gint returning to the scenes of his early adventures is troubled with the prospect of meeting a certain button moulder who threatens to make short work of his realized self by melting it down in his crucible with a heap of other button material immediately the old exaltation of the self-realizer is changed into an unspeakable dread of the button moulder death to avoid whom Per Gint has already pushed a drowning man from the spar he is clinging to in a shipwreck, lest it should not suffice to support two. At last he finds a deserted sweetheart of his youth still waiting for him and still believing in him. In the imagination of this old woman he finds the ideal Per Gint, whilst in himself the loafer, the braggart, the confederate of sham magicians, the Charleston speculator, the false prophet, the dancing girl's dupe the bedlam emperor the thruster of the drowning man into the waves there is nothing heroic nothing but commonplace self-seeking and shirking cowardice and sensuality veiled only by the romantic fancies of the born liar with this crowningly unreal realization he is left to face the button moulder as best he can footnote miss pagan who has produced scenes from peregin in edinburgh and london which to its shame has not yet seen a complete public performance of Per Gint, regards the death of Per as occurring in the scene where all the wasted possibilities of his life drift about him as withered leaves and fluffs of bog cotton. He picks up an onion and playing with the idea that it is himself and that its skins are the phases of his own career wrapped round the kernel of his real self strips them off one after another only to discover that there is no kernel nature is ironical says pere bitterly and that discovery of his own nothingness is taken by miss pagan as his death the subsequent adventures being those of his soul it is impossible to demur to so poetic an interpretation though it assumes in spite of the onion that pere had not wholly destroyed his soul still as the button moulder who might be brand's ghost does respite pair until the next crossroads it cannot be said that ibsen leaves pair definitely scrapped nineteen twelve end of footnote pair gint has puzzled a good many people by ibsen's fantastic and subtle treatment of its metaphysical thesis it is so far a difficult play that the ideal of unconditional self-realization however familiar its suggestions may be to the ambitious reader is not understood by him when it is stated to him by someone who does understand it he unhesitatingly dismisses it as idiotic and because he is perfectly right in doing so because it is idiotic in the most accurate sense of the term he does not easily recognize it as the common ideal of his own prototype 
the pushing competitive success-craving man who is the hero of the modern world there is nothing novel in ibsen's dramatic method of reducing these ideals to absurdity exactly as cervantes took the old ideal of chivalry and showed what came of a man attempting to act as if it were real so ibsen takes the ideals of brand and pere gint and subjects them to the same test don quixote acts as if he were a perfect knight in a world of giants and distressed damsels instead of a country gentleman in a land of innkeepers and farm wenches brand acts as if he were the perfect adam in a world where by resolute rejection of all compromise with imperfection it was immediately possible to change the rainbow bridge between flesh and spirit into as enduring a structure as the tower of babel was intended to be thereby restoring man to the condition in which he walked with god in the garden and peregint tries to act as if he had in him a special force that could be concentrated so as to prevail over all other forces they ignore the real ignore what they are and where they are not only like nelson shutting their eyes to the signals a brave man may disregard but insanely steering straight on rocks no man's resolution can move or resist observe that neither cervantes nor ibsen is incredulous in the philistine way as to the power of ideals over men don quixote brand and pere gint are all three men of action seeking to realize their ideals in deeds however ridiculous don quixote makes himself you cannot dislike or despise him much less think that it would have been better for him to have been a philistine like sancho and pere gint selfish rascal as he is is not unlovable brand made terrible by the consequences of his idealism to others is heroic their castles in the air are more beautiful than castles of brick and mortar but one cannot live in them and they seduce men into pretending that every hovel is such a castle just as pere gint pretended that the trolled king's den was a palace End of chapter 4, part 1. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.